Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. After the Apocalypse, a pandemic survival story. Season 2, Episode 7, Industrial. It was slippery and tough going in the industrial rubble by the river's edge. The old man pulled himself up over a concrete slab that blocked the trail. The slab had rebar sticking out of it, like the broken bones of an old corpse that had been torn open by wolves. He wiped orange rust stains from his hands and turned to see where Brad was. The kid was struggling to keep up. The old man didn't get it. What was this kid, 26 or 27 years old? And he was struggling to keep up. The industrial area along the river wasn't the easiest place to traverse, but still, the kids should be able to stay with them. Mags had asked them to reconnoiter here to make sure she knew what was on their flanks, to make sure they weren't surprised. But it wasn't easy. There was no tourist river walk set up by the Chamber of Commerce to revitalize the area. It had been a hard-working industrial factory town, but now it was a graveyard of crumbling and abandoned mills. Nothing had been revitalized here for a hundred years. There were these jagged hunks of concrete, slick with moss and age. There were piles of household items discarded over the years by opportunistic homeowners and contractors mixed in with unidentifiable metal machinery from the mills. This place had been an apocalyptic hellscape even before the virus showed up. The old man sat on the concrete chunk and waited for Brad to catch up. He inspected a fresh tear in his sleeve from a wild blackberry cane. Figures, he thought to himself. First, it was a crazed raccoon, and now it's attacking plants. Seems everything is out to get you in the apocalypse. Looking around, he saw that it was basically a post-industrial dumping ground. There were the remains of an old mattress, an abandoned refrigerator haloed in rust, and a few suspicious 55-gallon metal drums sticking out of the brush. Brad came into sight, huffing and puffing. His cheeks were red, and he wiped sweat from his face with his shirt. He was still carrying the old baseball bat he had found in the school. The old man wasn't sure if it was a weapon or a totem. It had apparently been signed by the 1985 Kansas City Royals World Series team, but the old man never paid much attention to baseball and was ambivalent to any significance the bat might have held. Jesus, kid, when was the last time you got any exercise? I am okay, Brad said, sitting down to rest next to the old man. It just takes me a little while to get warmed up. 
Okay, kid, when you're warmed up, you let me know, the old man said with a sideways glance. Meanwhile, why don't you have some water and maybe eat something? You keep sweating like that, and you'll get dehydrated and hypothermic, he added. The trick is you have to keep a steady effort, but not overheat. Brad nodded and took a swig of water from a plastic bottle he was carrying. How did you get to be so good at moving through the brush? Brad asked. Practice, and lots and lots of time on my feet. Brad thought about this and started a new topic. I'm sorry about your friend, the lady, Brad said, looking at the old man. Was she your girlfriend? The old man choked back a laugh. Nah, kid, she wasn't my girlfriend. She was someone I met after, you know, after. He paused. I never had to wait for her to catch up, he said pointedly. Up until I met her and the dog, I was alone. He emphasized the word alone and got a faraway look in his eyes. Do you think she'll be okay? Brad asked. I don't know, the old man considered. Hard to know in this crazy world if anyone is okay. But I'll tell you one thing. I feel sorry for anyone who gets in her way. Brad accepted this and continued his line of conversation. And sorry about your dog. Bill wasn't my dog, the old man said, but he seemed to take a liking to me. He was a good soldier, and he was a good traveling companion. The old man sounded wistful. Well, sorry anyhow, Brad added, wiping sweat. Yeah, thanks. Let's get over to the river and see what we can see, the old man said as he stood up and adjusted his gear for movement. Brad and the old man stood on a decaying concrete wharf that stuck out into the river. It was cracked and torn by years of neglect and weather. They looked up the river towards the bridge. Half the bridge was gone. The shuttle bus that had been their escape vehicle had fallen into the river as well. The old man could see it with his field glasses. It was wedged upside down in a jumble of bridge wreckage. The far bank of the river where the bridge abutment failed was carved out by the force of the water, the roadway half gone. A few more years, and that river may wash away Main Street and wipe out half the town over there, the old man said to no one in particular. Before humans showed up with their dikes, canals, and dams, the great American rivers were constantly shifting course, meandering, finding their own way around obstacles in their constant march to the sea. Now, with man once again out of the picture, they were returning to their natural careers and carving the land as they saw fit. No one is getting across using that bridge, Brad said with confidence. You're right about that, the old man replied. I suppose they might be able to get across in boats if they had boats but they are not getting any vehicles over. He looked across the 200 yards of river to the other shore. The raging torrent had subsided, but the flow was still steady and strong. It's clear why the industrialists had built their mills and factories here. Historically, he thought, rivers had made good boundaries to keep the barbarians out. Maybe this one would serve the same purpose now for them in this new world. Mags will be glad to know they can't get to us, 
Brad said. Maybe we can settle in. The old man looked at him skeptically and wondered what kind of irrational hope was in Brad's head. How do you think this ends, Brad? I mean, what's your end game? You and Mag set up some sort of subsistence farming frontier community? Maybe find some chickens and set up some huts to live in. I hadn't really thought about it, Brad said defensively. I just was saying we're safe for now. I can't remember the last time I was with anyone I could trust, or last time I even felt safe. He pointedly held the old man's gaze. That's the problem, the old man continued, warming to the topic. The now of survival starts to overwhelm the past and the future. When everyone is worried about making it through the next 24 hours, no one thinks about the future. So what is the future? Brad asked. And how do we get there? That's the right question, the old man said. Who's going to keep the lights of civilization on? We can't just go back to goat herding. We've got to find a way to keep what we've learned as a species, at least the good parts. How do you think we do that? Brad asked, genuinely interested. I don't know, the old man shook his head. I think it starts with not forgetting. I think it starts with knowledge. Do you know how to make a diode or a turbine or even a truck engine? I know how to drive a truck, Brad offered. Well, that's up for debate. The old man poked fun at Brad, gesturing towards a sunken courtesy van, but then continued in a more serious vein. Your generation is going to need to focus on maintenance. We're going to need mechanics, engineers, and technicians as much as goat herders and farmers. The old man looked back out across the river. But first, we need security and stability. Let's move, the old man said in a tone of quiet resignation. Willie held her breath and prepared to strike. The big dog held his ground and prepared to fight. Timmy groaned loudly and moved to push himself up onto his elbows. The two combatants froze and shifted their attention to the boy. Timmy rolled to his side. He gagged, coughed, and spit a mouthful of foul water into the grass before lifting his head. When the boy moved, it broke Willie out of her violent focus like a sleepwalker getting a cold bucket of water dumped on her head. The dog seemed to intensify his protective stance over the boy. Willie knew she needed to be cautious here. She took a step back, lowered her arm, and put the knife out of sight. As she stepped back, the dog settled himself a bit as well and turned to sniff at the boy. Willie felt the adrenaline draining from her body. Who? <clears throat> Timmy tried to talk but had to clear his throat. Who are you? He continued looking at Willie. Hey, kid, Willie said, cocking her head. How you doing? I really don't feel so good, Timmy said, sitting up and looking around. He noticed the hostility between the dog and the girl. He tensed himself. What are you doing? He asked suspiciously. Willie decided that helping the kid and turning down the heat on the guard dog was the best path to survival for the moment. She smiled and made sure her knife was securely back in its hiding place. She relaxed her posture. She knelt down to be at the same level as a boy and put her empty hands out in the open. 
Timmy looked confused. It's okay, Willie said in a calm voice filled with empathy. I'm Willie. The boy relaxed. I am Tim, and they call me Timmy, and this is Bill. Willie looked warily at the big dog. Yeah, I already met your dog. He's not my dog. He's the old man's dog. But he just rescued me from the river. Wow, I could have drowned if Bill didn't come for me. Timmy grabbed Bill's harness and hoisted himself unsteadily to his feet. Take it easy, kid, Willie said and continued. That dog seems a little aggressive. I don't think he'll hurt anyone who isn't trying to hurt him, Timmy said, petting Bill's big head. The dog looked at Willie, but had put his teeth away. For now. Okay, why don't you keep hold of him and come with me? We'll get you dried out and warmed up and maybe some food and water. She considered this. But maybe you've had enough water for today, huh? Brad and the old man continued to pick their way down river through the old industrial lots choked with weeds and brambles. Fire! Brad said, pointing across the river. The old man looked up as well and saw the thick black smoke billowing from a row of buildings on the waterfront. He pulled his field glasses out and peered across the river to where the smoke was rising. He saw movement along the road. It was the king's men. They were burning that block of buildings. That explained the fire. Even with all the rain, the old buildings with their old wood beams would burn if given enough encouragement. Vehicles of the king's army were moving around the burning buildings as if patrolling or looking for something. The old man continued, Could be just more random destruction by those jerks, but if I had to guess, I'd say they're trying to burn someone out. Maybe your girlfriend, Brad suggested. Maybe, the old man agreed. But there's nothing we can do about it from here. Let's keep moving so we can get back. They were navigating a particularly crowded back lot behind a mill building that looked like it had housed some sort of metal fabrication business. They found a loose section in the chain-link fence to climb under. There were stacks of rusty metal pipes and rusting chunks of unidentifiable machine remnants. Jeez, the old man grumbled. I'm going to need a tetanus shot. He was leading the way when he heard Brad trip and swear behind him. Brad had managed to tangle his foot on some old cabling and was sprawled on the ground. There was a loud crash. Brad's fall had somehow dislodged a five-gallon water carboy, which toppled down into an empty dumpster with a horrendous crash that echoed off the buildings around them. The old man winced. Nice work, klutz. You're like trying to work with a drunk toddler. Can you watch where you're stepping? Sorry, Brad said sheepishly, brushing dirt off his pants and shirt. I didn't see it. Come on, the old man said, looking around and squinting at the sun in the sky. We should head back pretty soon. The body sitting in the lawn chair was a bit jarring at first for Timmy. Willie hadn't seemed to worry too much about it. She marched right by with a cheery and preemptory comment and a wave of her hand. Don't worry about old Joe there. He's my scarecrow. Scarecrow? Timmy asked. Not so sure why a mummified corpse could be dismissed as easily as a garden gnome. Yeah, 
If anyone comes snooping around, they see old Joe and they don't see me. My most important skill is being invisible. That's how I always survived on my own. Bill stayed near Timmy and Willie, checking out the area, pausing to sniff the corpse in the chair and staying alert. She led the boy and the dog around a corner, slid a piece of plywood aside, and led them into a small brick room. From what looked like random junk, she pulled boxes out for them to sit on and set one up as a table. She moved another piece of board aside, revealing a metal drum that had been converted to a makeshift stove. Some ducting had been jerry-rigged to carry the smoke over the old mill's smokestack. She threw some hard pieces of wood in and stirred them around before closing it up. She noticed Timmy inspecting her work. I run the smoke up the old stack. Same reason the old-timers use those big stacks. It moves the smoke over into someone else's neighborhood, far enough away that it can't be traced back to me. She thought about it and added, It's not perfect, but it keeps me warm and keeps me from dying of carbon monoxide poisoning. Where I used to live, people would die every year trying to survive a cold winter night in their old cars with the engines on. Bill sniffed around. Timmy nodded as if he understood and rubbed his shoulders. Willie threw him an old coat. Here, Joe doesn't need it anymore. She stood back and watched as Timmy wriggled into the big coat. She stood, arms akimbo, inspecting. If you want to take the wet stuff off, we can let it dry. Go ahead. Hang it up by the heat. I don't have any other clothes for you, but might have some shoes and socks stashed away. Hold on. She disappeared into another room and returned, carrying a scuffed-up cardboard box brimming with miscellaneous footwear. Timmy was digging through the box, looking for something in the right size, when they heard a loud crash from outside and behind the building. Willie was immediately on alert. Come on, she said. We gotta hide. And began quickly moving boxes and boards around to return the room to its unlived-in state. She led Timmy quickly out a side window, and the dog jumped out behind them. She rounded a corner and lifted the edge of a corrugated metal sheet lying on the ground at an angle to the building. As she pried up the covering, it revealed a dark hole. Get in, she said, and the boy, followed by the dog, complied. Sliding in behind them, she dropped the metal sheet back into place and secured it with a length of bailing wire, twisting the ends and hooking them around an old iron pipe. Inside the hole, there was a mattress and enough room for the three of them to lay down. It was a disused bulkhead. At one time, it might have been used as a coal chute. When it was first built, it would have been connected to the mill basement. Now, the space was bricked off, creating an unnoticeable void in the yard. A perfect place to hide in the apocalypse. Willie grew up with the knowledge that having a good place to hide could save your life. Willie turned to Timmy in the darkness and whispered, Someone or something is out there. Stay quiet and we'll wait for them to pass through. She added, as if repeating a drilled-in school lesson, If they can't find you, they can't kill you. Timmy nodded his head and held Bill's harness. The big dog didn't know what was going on, but he grasped the tension in Willie and was on alert, watching, listening, and guarding. Brad was looking behind him as he walked. When he turned back around to see where the old man was, he came face to face with old Joe in the lawn chair. 
Brad yelped and jumped back. What the hell is that? He said to the old man, pointing with his bat. The old man stopped and considered. Halloween decoration? Then more seriously, it's a dead guy, and probably not the last one we're going to see. He unshouldered his crossbow and made ready. Stay alert! Bill the dog cocked his head at the corrugated metal covering their hiding place. He whined a low-questioning whine. Shut that dog up, Willie hissed. Bill looked at the metal covering, at Timmy, and then at Willie, and let out a short, sharp bark. Quiet, Bill, Timmy pleaded, but the big dog was becoming more and more agitated. Willie let the knife slip from her sleeve. Shut him up, or I will. I'm trying, Timmy said. Something's wrong with him. The old man circled around the corpse in the chair. He looked around with his crossbow ready. He sniffed the air and said, Do you smell wood smoke? I don't see a fire, but I think I smell smoke. Brad hung a few steps back. From across the river, he guessed. Curious, the old man said, raising one hand to scratch his patchy beard. What was that? Brad asked. What? The old man responded. I thought I heard something. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, survivors, and happy Thanksgiving. This is Chris, your, your hostess with the mostess here. Let me say, first of all, that I have been dying to use the phrase arms akimbo in a story my entire life. Yeah, arms akimbo. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, it's an interesting English word that means with the hands on the hips and the elbows bent outward at a sharp angle. They think that this word akimbo has some relation to the word bow, like bow and arrow, because the arms are bent like a bow, but they don't really know. The first recorded usage of akimbo was by Chaucer, yeah, Geoffrey Chaucer, in the Canterbury Tales, yeah, in the 1400s. There you go. And I'm going to stop right there before I start waxing poetically about Richard III and Henry IV and iambic pentameter. 
I know you're just dying to hear all that stuff, but we'll get to it all in good time. Let's get back to the story. So the question our heroes are struggling with in this episode and across this arc is basically, what now? If you survive the apocalypse, what happens next, right? What's the purpose? Apocalypse or not, we humans need purpose. We need something bigger than ourselves to pull us through this miserable life and make us act bigger than we are. So what is our purpose as survivors? Once we've figured out how to live another day, once things start to settle down, what's the next thing, the next big thing? So what do you do when the struggle to survive is no longer critical? Can you pivot to innovating and building new things? Or are you gonna be like that person who wins the lottery? and is dead in a year because they had no reason to survive, right? They got everything they wanted. They had their reason to survive, to fight, just stripped away. Humans without purpose are dangerous. That's why we make up stuff. We make up stories. We make up narratives out of whole cloth to invent a purpose. We're a strange neurotic race of sentience. No? And by the way, out of whole cloth means totally fabricated and has its origin in the early 1800s when industrial looms started making cloth. Yeah, just like in our mills by the river in this episode. See what I did there? I brought it all the way around. And our little show's reach has really accelerated in the last couple of months. Our scorecard for this week, drumroll, is 62 survivors in our Facebook group from all over the world. Thank you, folks. More than 42,000 all-time downloads since our inception this time last year. But that's not the good number. The good number is we're getting close to like 10,500 downloads a month. And it's growing at like 30-40%. So it starts to get interesting if you can maintain that growth. It means, I'm not going to get greedy, but it means you could get to like 100,000 downloads a month by, you know, July which would be really something. And why do you care? You don't really, but it's fun to think about. (laughs) Fun to talk about. Anyhow, you can help us keep the momentum going by subscribing, rating, leaving reviews, telling your social media connections, all that other stuff, right? And you can directly support the show on Patreon. If you want to chime in, if you have ideas or interesting things to discuss, you can interact on the Facebook group. I'm no big fan of Facebook as a company, but it's the easiest thing to use, you know, and usually everybody's on it, so. And as you folks in America, North America, stuff yourself with with food, put yourself into a turkey coma, remember, you're not fat. No, 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 no. You're not gluttonous. No, you're just getting ready. You're strategically investing extra calories in preparation for the apocalypse that we all know is coming, right? So happy tea day, hug your family, and above all else, keep surviving. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.